July 14, 2019. The Nationals open up their first half by taking two of three against the Phillies at Citizens Bank, solidifying their lead atop the National League wildcard standings. As we approach the trading deadline, will the Nationals look to add big? And might they go after a starting pitcher? From Bethesda, Maryland, it's Jacob Rash. From New York, New York, it's Johnny Rash. This is the Rashcast with Jake and John. Hi, and welcome back to the Rashcast with Jake and John. The date is July 14th, 2019. The time is 4.42 p.m. Not that you need to know that. Uh, I'm Jake. And I'm John. And uh, so here we are. The Nats, again, you know, came back from the All-Star break, played two games against the Phillies and a third one as well. Yes. I was I was getting there. Uh, they won the first two, including on a very exciting two-out uh, go-ahead two-run home run in the ninth inning off of Juan Soto. They lost today, uh, so that's two out of three. They are one and a half games up on the Phillies and still uh, in first place in the wild card race. Um, so everything seems to be turning around. Yeah, I mean, today, I mean, you lose today and, and it's not great, uh, you know, but it's not terrible because you won yesterday. You stole a game yesterday. Today also would have been a stolen game, but it would have been. A sweep would have been very nice, but two out of three is very good. Um, yeah. Sets you up nicely. You're still a game and a half up on the Phillies and in in charge of the first wild card spot. Um, got two against the O's this week, which should be both winnable games, even though Voth and Fetty might be the starters or whoever it is. Um, you know, you saw the so that's, today. So that's a big decision that the, the Nats have to make, yeah. uh, whether or not they should start Strasburg on Wednesday. He'd be on regular rest but then he wouldn't be able to start. They've got four against the Braves. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, I'm i for putting your best foot forward against the Braves. This is probably the biggest series of the year if you want the division. If Because, you know, you keep winning. We've, we've won a lot, and we're still six games back of the Braves. We're the best team in baseball over the stretch. The Braves are the second best team. So yep. if you really want to make up ground, I was thinking earlier today, you know, if you want to make up ground in the division, you have to take three or four against the Braves at least. Oh um, yeah, because split doesn't get you anywhere. So I well, well split the, doesn't get you anywhere, but it still keeps you at the same distance away you are. Yeah, uh, you know, at, while at, taking two out of four on the road, uh, and still having ten games left. Listen, yeah. I would three out of four would be fantastic. Uh, Obviously, a sweep would be super great, uh, but two out of four doesn't, you know, look, it's it's not a likely occurrence that they're going to win the division. The Braves are playing tremendously well, even as the Nats are as well, uh, and, you know, a six-game lead is, is difficult to surmount, even with uh, the 14 games. Now, when I say it's not likely, I mean... It's you know roughly a one in four chance of it happening. It's not mm-hmm. impossible, but it's it's not something I would characterize as likely. Uh, but it's still possible, even if they they take two of four. Uh, yeah, because they've still but, got then. Uh, I mean, 
two home series left. It's it's still possible. Yeah, of course it's still possible. There's still plenty of time to make up ground. And, you know, anything can happen in one month even. You saw, you know, September 2011 with the Braves and the Cardinals and the Red Sox and the Rays. You know, they made up seven game leads. So, yeah, anything is possible. But this is, you keep winning and you're still, you know, you were, what, 12, 10 games back before this, before we went on this hot streak. And now we're still six games back. You know, the hot streak, I think actually we were so. Eight and a half games back of the Braves when mm-hmm. we started the hot streak, and now yeah. it's it's still six and a half games as they play yeah. now in San Diego. So you know, this is you still yeah you still have ten head to head left, but this is a big opportunity for the Nats to start putting on a little more pressure against and, the Braves. You know, if, if so, Scherzer can go on Saturday, you've got your horses going. You've got mm-hmm. it would be. Then Strasburg, if they push him on Thursday, Strasburg, Corbin, Scherzer, and then Sanchez. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so that's what I would do. I wouldn't. These two games against the O's, it really doesn't take much to beat the O's. No. These games uh, are not as important. The Braves are also playing the Brewers this week, too, which is a tough series. Um, so that will be, you know, a good kind of. You know, Way, way to, to pick up some up, games. Pick up some games, make up some ground. Right. When we were playing the O's, they're playing the Phillies. I mean, they're playing the um, the Brewers. Uh, so that, <clears throat> I think you can go with, you don't have to push Strasburg, or not even push him. You don't have to put Strasburg on schedule. You could send down Keyboom. You could send down, and you could roll with McGowan. You could roll with, you know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, they they don't have to win both games against the Orioles. Obviously, it would be nice, mm-hmm. uh, but the Braves series are are far more important because yes. every win is is two wins for the purposes of mm-hmm. winning the division. Uh, and yeah, I mean the the problem with today's game was that the the key cogs in the bullpen had to pitch both Friday and Saturday. Uh, Doolittle obviously unavailable. Uh, I mean, they they pushed again, Wander Suero for the third time this season on a back to back to back, and he went through three, four, five Harper, Hoskins, and Real Muto with no problem on eight pitches, uh, mm-hmm. which you know once again raises the question: Is Wander Suero good? Wander Suero has a zero ERA in every appearance he hasn't given up a run. That is a fact, and yeah. that is a very useful statistic. Thank you, Johnny. You're welcome. But. Uh, yeah, his ERA on the season, including games in which he does give up runs, is now under five. Uh, and there's times when he looks like he's a, a dominant closer who has a rubber arm and can go at all times. There's times when it looks like he's gassed on the, the back half of a back-to-back. Uh, and then there's times when it just looks like he's bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's very hard to figure out who Wander Suero is. But uh, that sort of brings us to our next point, which is figuring out what to do in the bullpen. Yeah, I mean that's this is the point the whole season. This has been it's the it's the theme of the season is figuring out what to do with this bullpen. Yeah, because that's your Achilles' heel. That's your main weakness as a team is this bullpen. That's the only thing holding you back. It's you know, look at the lineup. The lineup's performing good enough to win games. The pitching is great. The starting pitching outside the fifth starter. The only big weakness is this bullpen, and you know, the trade deadline's coming up. 
and there'll be ways to address it there. Yep, but it, and it's... we've already started to see a little bit of movement uh, today. There, there were two trades, actually, in the last two days of starting pitchers, Homer Bailey to the Athletics and Andrew Kashner to the Red Sox. Uh, you know, there's a, a big question, you know, obviously, as we talk about bullpen, there, there seem to be more dependable arms available on the starting pitching market than in the relief market. And, you know, as as Max Scherzer recovers from a mid-back strain, hopefully uh, they're just giving him some extra time and he'll be available to start Saturday. But, you know, if he's not available to start Saturday, then you have to start worrying. Uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, there's a, an open question as to whether or not the Nats should focus uh, on acquiring a reliever or a starter. And then you've got the other issue with this team, which is that they are between 6 and $10 million away from exceeding the luxury tax threshold, which is something that the, the learners have said that they have no interest in doing, but that it, it may take if they want to actually make a substantial improvement to this team. So, you know, it's hard to say what their approach yeah. to this trade deadline will be or should be, mm -hmm. uh, but it's clear that they've got some holes. They've yeah. got a, a problem with starting pitching depth. Uh, obviously, there's no replacing Scherzer if he actually is hurt. And if he is hurt, then, I mean, this team's not going anywhere. Uh, I wouldn't say that Scherzer is the most irreplaceable player on the team just because of the fact that basically, I mean, Trey Turner is clearly not the best player on this team, but if he gets hurt, there is no one to replace him. Yeah. Uh but Trey, Trey Turner, since he's come back from injury, the Nats have been 31-17 with him, as opposed to what they were without him. So, yeah, he's a big difference maker in that lineup. Even if he's he, – in, in that time, he hasn't been that great either. He's just hitting 776 OPS. But just having him makes a difference, with, one, with the speed, um, and two, with the fact that we don't have to start when we're default. Yeah, I mean – he plays good defensively, uh, and uh, I mean it's it's not nothing. It's it's like a slightly you know five percent above average offense. At, no, but he that doesn't mean you know that's what he was last yeah, year. And he was a four great. win player, but the difference between Trey Turner, four win player, and mm -hmm. a combination of Defu and Kiboom, who have been worth negative two wins in the limited time that they've played this season, uh. It's just, you know, it's different than, than the difference between Scherzer and another starting pitcher. But still, the point is the Nats have a problem with starting pitching depth, and they have a problem with the bullpen, and they really need two relievers, and they could really use another starter. Uh, but the question is, how do you do that with a very limited cache of prospects mm -hmm. and a really limited amount of wiggle room to spend. Uh, so I'm not I'm not sure what they're going to do with the deadline. Yeah. And it's not like... The, the hard part is, is that if a guy like Michael Taylor were up and performing adequately, you could say, oh, we can move him, save some con money contract on that to a team that could use him, like a team like the Indians who have a lot of bullpen depth and need an outfielder. 
But the issue is, is he's yeah, been terrible. He's under two hundred. Double A numbers today. Uh, oh my god! It's I just mean, I don't. Terrible. I don't know. I think it's just. I mean, yeah. the The problem yeah. is that you don't so, have a ton of teams that would be willing to flip a guy like Taylor. I guess you could do it as ballast, you know, to to balance out the trade money in a way that's you know similar to an NBA style trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Taylor is is just so bad that that's dead weight, and obviously. The Indians are in a, a strange position where they may be looking to trade for big league ready players to keep them in the playoff push. I mean, obviously, if the Indians decide to trade Trevor Bauer, I mean, that's unconscionable. I didn't actually, I didn't actually, interesting trade idea uh, yesterday for Trevor Bauer. We'll be sending him to San Diego in a deal revolving not just with, but revolving around Hunter Renfro, where the mm. Padres would get. I mean, pitcher yeah, if that's the what the Indians are, are looking to do. I mean, obviously Renfro is considerably cheaper than Bauer and will be next year as well. I I don't I don't really know what they're trying to do here. I don't know if they're they're actually trying to contend or or what, but yeah, no, yeah, I don't think uh, yeah. It's interesting. But uh, you look around the league and you look at teams who are going to have available bullpen. I mean, the Royals are sellers, and they got a couple guys. They got Jake Diekman, mm-hmm. who the Nats have been linked with yesterday. Rosen- Ken Rosenthal reported on it. Um, and I think Diekman would be a great choice. I think we've been saying this for a while now. But he really he no. just I mean, he, he takes Matt over Grace for the role that Matt Grace was Grace supposed to have. Not very good. Right. Uh, uh, or that Tony Sipp. Right. Should be. I mean, the yeah. Nats have um, a lot of left-handers. Useful. I truly yeah. don't know why it is. Yeah. And especially in the especially in the playoffs, when you're going to face, you know, if we are the wild-card team, that means we're facing the Dodgers if we win the first game. Well, for the wild-card team right now, we'd face the Phillies in the wild-card game. They got a big lefty in their lineup. And then yeah, who's also the Dodgers, murdering got, left-handed hit, you know, pitching MVP. too. But, so yeah. you're going to have to... Yeah, yeah. Well, he's just murdering everyone, but um, it's just you know, Deakman would be a really good fit with this team, and I think he'd be a guy that we go after. Uh, I think he'll be the. If I had to put money on a guy that we're going to get, I'd say Deakman's the guy. Uh, but then outside of that, you know, the Royals bullpen isn't great. Although we did just get another piece from them this week, and Brad Boxberger, Boxberger is pretty terrible this year, and he has been for a couple of years. Then outside of that, you can look at the Blue Jays, who've got a couple interesting guys. They have Daniel Hudson, who's been, you know, good this year for them. Um, they also have, uh, so yeah, Daniel Hudson would be a really interesting guy to get. You know, these guys, these are, but the problem no, is these are uh, names and that to, really are. To, yeah, to, to make a comment on Deakman, he's got a 506 ERA right now. Uh, I mean, he's striking out 13 per nine, which is great, but he's also walking the world. And he's done that over his entire career. He's got a career walk rate at about five. Uh, yeah. So, you know, there's an open question as to whether or not... I mean, he's he's probably still an improvement, uh, but but not not such a substantial one. So I, I don't really know. Uh, yeah. No. But, yeah. But, so, like, guys like, yeah, Daniel... H- but... So what I was saying before is that 
you know, I don't think the Nats are going to be in it for the guys like Ken Giles, who I think will be on the move, depending on his nerve injury, uh, or maybe even a um, Kirby Yates, who could be on the move. And if I were the Padres, I'd, I'd yeah. But if Kirby you're trying Yates, to be good next his year, never you be keep Yates and, around. You know, move him now. Yeah, but the Padres have always had success developing closers. Uh, they had Brad Hand, and they got Yates right afterwards. So they've been able to find these guys. And I, I think they can get more I mean, from maybe. trading him. Uh, the nice thing about him is he's got a year and a half left to control, so he'll be on the team next year. Uh, but, I mean, you could probably trade him in the yeah. offseason if you wanted to. I mean, I, I know that, you know, that... I don't know. It's just they've got so much young talent coming up. I think they're going to be very good next year, and I'd hate to see them struggle for lack of a closer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as you said, the sort of train of their you know they've developed when Trevor Hoffman left, uh, it went to Heath Bell, and when Bell left, uh, you know they, they've they've always Bell. seemingly developed closers. Uh, except for the one year that they decided to pay for one, which is interesting and didn't yeah. work. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. If Yates gets on the, you know, the trading block, things are a little different. But as of now, you know, look at what happens if the Reds continue to scuff when they fall out of it and they decide to trade. You've got Roark and Gray on the uh, on the trade block. As straight as I mean, maybe not Gray because Gray has that big contract starters. extension, but certainly Roark. Uh, probably not. What the Rays? I, think, I said the Reds. I, I don't think the, I don't see the Rays being sellers. Yeah, I mean it might happen. I'm the Reds. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I misspoke. I don't, I don't know the if they scuffle sellers. out of the you know out of the gate, then they might want to cut their losses. You've got Bumgarner. Who's clearly going to be available? You've got Stroman, who's probably going to be available. You've got, you know, the Rangers, who, you know, considering how they've played, probably not going to sell. Uh, I that's another team that's I think like the Padres that I would sell soft sell. I wouldn't do a hard sell. I'd trade maybe Mike Miner. That's would not trade, a soft sell, man. That's return, that's I their think. best player. Um, I, mean, I would trade. I know he's their best player, but you know that team is good. But you look at them; they're competing yeah. with like five other teams for those those two wild card spots. And is there no value it's a team in, that really in winning I mean, eighty-six games even if next you can't make the playoffs? Like, I mean, I, I'm well, a, a baseball you, fan. I find it. value in winning over losing. Uh, even if the winning doesn't lead to anything, it's still fun. It's more fun than losing. And, like, they are, I think, what, a half game out of a playoff spot right now? Can you imagine going to your fan base and saying, yeah, we were a half game out of a playoff spot. Yeah. But you know, we were competing with all these other teams, and we just didn't think we were better than them. That's just, I mean, it's miserable. It's no fun at all. I mean, it's... A, the Rangers have been an incredibly fun team thus far. And I would just, I mean, it's, they've got reclamation projects everywhere. They've got, you know, yeah. Miner and Pence uh, and obviously Lance Lynn, guys who, 
you know, seemed to be putting it together in ways that you know, were completely unexpected. I just, from, from the perspective of a baseball fan, I do not want to see them sell. Uh, and I just, I hate this idea that teams on the cusp should sell. Uh, you know, I, the whole point of the second wild card was to keep more teams in it longer so that, you know, there were fewer sellers at the deadline. And then to turn that around and say, oh, well, the second wild card isn't worth all that much and we were competing for so many other teams for that. And it's just, it feels so wrong. And I, I just, I don't want to see it happen. Uh, I mean, that's that's my opinion. I don't know if it makes baseball sense, but I think well, there's, you know, maybe not economic value in winning and winning as much as possible, but... I just, I don't know. You got to imagine that there's some, you know, from a sort of from a strictly objective perspective, that there's some sort of attendance, uh, you know, issue that that would create. But, but beyond that, it's just, it's not in the spirit of things to to be giving up when you still have a chance. It's just not fun. Sorry for the rant, but it just, I mean, that's, well, I understand your thought that, process on uh, that, but it just, and you know, it's common, but it frustrates me. And I, I don't like it when, when people advocate the teams that are still competitive sell, you know, to maximize the value of their assets. It just, it strikes me as something that isn't in keeping with the spirit of baseball. Yeah, well... You know, I was, so, I mean, the Rangers, you know, we'll see what they do. It'll be interesting what they do. Uh, they have a, lot, a couple of pieces that could sell and, and net them some prospects. But, you know, as you said, they could still make the playoffs and see what happens from there. They're not going to win the division. Um, you know, the Astros pretty much have that locked. Uh, but and there's And know, there's value yeah, in there winning. Is value in winning world. is fun. So we'll see about them. And then – Winning is fun, um, but the, the real issue is is that with the Nats and their bullpen building, is that we mm-hmm. they both lack the funds, so they can't take on money. I mean, well they can, but they the choose bat, not the, uh, to. The luxury tax, they can, yeah, and they kind of lack the prospects. Um, you know, outside of Keyboom and Garcia, yeah, they, the Nats. I mean, listen, they have a little, pretty thin. made moves. So, I mean, the problem is, you know, they have in the past when they've had the problem of not wanting to deal major prospects, uh, they have either gone for lesser players, uh, you know, at the 15 deadline, going for Papelbon instead of. Uh, Chapman or Andrew Miller because they weren't willing to even discuss moving Giolito. Uh, or, as they've done in the 16 and 17 seasons, they have traded promising but erratic young bullpen arms, well, young in a relative sense, Trina wasn't really young, for established closers rather than giving up prospects. Uh, and the problem here is that they can't really do that now because they don't have any promising but erratic young bullpen arms that they would be willing to trade. They need maybe Suero, 
But they, the problem is, yeah, they and need Swerve every single arm one, that they have. Yeah, you're not trading It's Swerve. just, it yeah. can't weaken the bullpen at this juncture. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, because if you take Swear out, instead of having to get two relievers, you have to get yeah. three. So just, I mean, I suppose mm-hmm. if you were trying to create some sort of package deal with the Giants or with the Jays, I'd be more comfortable with the Giants where you somehow are trying to swing Smith and Dyson, or Smith, Dyson, and Bumgarner, but you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, I suppose you could include Suero in some sort of deal that way. Yeah. But, no, we haven't been mentioned yeah. in, in I mean, I don't that context, and like you said, we have very limited resources, both in terms of cash and in terms of prospects to work with here. Yeah. But I, I think we should. I mean, for him, for the guy possibly. is and has a reputation as being the best starting pitcher in the history of the playoffs. No, I mean, start him. Stick I mean, he would. St- <laughs> that is true. A seven a inning closer. closer. He was a great closer in Just 14. to start it with the opener. I'm sure he'd love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, mm-hmm. I mean, sure, the bullpen is important, uh, and a bad bullpen can doom you in the playoffs. But can you imagine rolling into a playoff series with Madison Bumgarner as your four starter? I mean, that would be... I, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Scherzer, Strasburg, it, it would be Bumgarner. very difficult to lose a That's postseason a- series. Now, this being the Nats, they, I'm sure they'd find a way. Uh, but I mean, I think it would be worth it. I know he's only got a half year left. Uh, and I know that the Nats will still have a fifth starter problem come next year. Uh, of course, if things go well, they could always re-sign Madison Bumgarner. And and let me say this, he's got a ton of miles on his arm, but he's only 29 years old. He's the same age as Patrick Corbin. Uh, so, you know, he's... He's not over the hill. I mean, yeah, he's been. No, it's it's not. It's it's as good as it's been since 2016. His velocity's down. Uh, he has been... I mean, I don't know. He's, he's the same pitcher he was. Uh, I would take a chance on it, uh, and I would prioritize that over even getting uh, another reliever. Uh, the. I think Bumgarner is a much no, better I, option on, as a starter there. than anyone you're going to find as a reliever. I'm, I'm, and I like Ken Giles a lot. I think Giles would be really now. Giles has some has a, had some issues and big moments, but I think he would be. I don't know. know. I mean, go all I also out, still I don't know. I mean, we're talking about the value of a second wild card. The truth is, this team as currently constructed, needs to try to win as much as possible every year because it's, you know, constructed on old pitching. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you, you know, they're good until they're not. But, uh, you know, we're talking about a wild card spot here. We're talking probably, you know, you're, you're not making these moves out of desperation to try and win the division. Uh, although Baumgartner would obviously help with that. But you're, you're trying... No to punch your ticket into the playoffs with 
the stabilization of the bullpen or you know adding a fifth starter. So yeah. the question is, how valuable is that? How valuable is punching your ticket to the wild card and giving you a 50-50 shot of being knocked out in the playoffs? What well, you have to consider is a little. I mean, I know he's has his troubles in the postseason. That's but true. I mean, the Nats do have that ace, which Max means Scherzer. that they have probably, of all the teams in baseball, the best odds of getting through a one-game playoff, which changes the, you know, it changes the odds. Uh, and even then, even if you're throwing Scherzer right. in that one game, it doesn't even set you back for your next series because you have Strasburg and Corbin. So, you know, you have to really consider... The one-game playoff for the Nats is a little bit different for a team like the Brewers, who don't really have that ace. You know, Wood, Woodruff's been good, but he's not an ace. Or a team like the uh, the Cardinals, who hasn't had the starting pitching that succeeded this year. So, or the Phillies. I mean, Nola's been better, so he'll probably figure it out. He's an ace. But yeah, I mean, I don't I mean, know. I think sure I think that's right. Year, but this year and I think been. you can make such a good so, argument for going after Bumgarner. I mean, but that still leaves you with a. I mean. In a perfect world, they would be able to make moves for both a reliever and a starter. But we don't live in that world. We live in a world where a luxury tax is a salary cap. Uh, you think it's the prospect? Well, I don't even think the luxury tax is the whole main thing holding us back from both of those. I think, I think it's the prospect. I, I think other I teams think we have better pro, uh, pitches for Bumgarner, and if we give up, go out and get Bumgarner. You know, unless we're going to part with Keyboom, which I don't know if we're still, you know, how we still view him, you can make the argument for parting with Keyboom. Well, and you, you then have no prospects really left in your system who after this you think year. are more likely than not to be impact players at the major league level, uh, which is a problem. You know, the Nets have sort of gone dry for the yeah. first time in this competitive window yeah. as far as prospects are concerned. But I don't think I don't think it takes a guy like Keyboom yeah, to get Bumgarner, and that will. For a half a season happen. of a starting pitcher, I I don't think so. No, but I don't know. You know, yeah, it's it's probably not for Bumgarner. But if you want to get, yeah, I don't know. I don't know which if there's a guy out there who'd be worth giving up Keyboom for. No, I mean I I uh, I agree. But then after that, who do we give know, up? Garcia. I would obviously. Rather, the Nats manage to make the acquisitions they have to make without trading Kibum. And I think there's probably a way to do that. But the problem is this farm system mm-hmm. is so thin right now. It's Kibum and then a whole bunch of big question marks. And the Nats have, you know, they've traded question marks for the pieces that they've needed in the past. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not something they haven't done. Obviously, Luzardo, that might come back to burn them. Uh, yeah. I know, lat strain, shoulder strain, and all that. But Although he's been hurt. I mean, I, I don't know. I think the Nats are in a tough position this uh, trading deadline because they have, for the really, they have more obvious needs than they've ever had, and they have fewer ways to, uh, right, to fill those needs than they ever have. Fill those needs. Yeah. So it will be, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an active trade deadline. Yeah. I think there'll be some guys who you 
don't even think about it, they're going to get moved. Uh, so I think teams are going to have to get creative. I think just all teams because right. all bullpen I mean, even, suck this year and there are very few. Even the Braves need bullpen help. Good. So Braves, Dodgers, Every even the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs already added Dodgers their bullpen help, and they still shaky. Cubs, yeah, yep. they're both. Uh, and a lot team, of competitive, team, every a lot of competitive team teams in the out. AL. And then in the AL, Red Sox desperate. Red Sox right. desperately need bullpen help. Yeah. You know, Minnesota's still looking for bullpen help. Indians, Yankees, and you know, every team except for the Indians yep. and the Yankees. And Astros, yeah. So. Yeah, competitive to get relievers, and the market for relievers is not great. It's less competitive to get starters, and the market for starters is much better. I just, I don't know. It's going to be hard. They've got to make some big decisions. I mean, you could also trade for a starter and push him to the bullpen, which is what I, you could have done with, Maybe. you know, Kashner. Uh, no, he's got a fastball that touches 98. Kashner doesn't have the strikeout can't strike numbers, anyone out. which he should. But, yeah. Yeah. Pretty incredible. But that's that. Putting there are extenuating the circumstances. Ball, there. He's a fragile he's arm. Putting him to the bullpen, which I think uh, is a smart move. But I, I don't know. I would rather trade for yeah. a reliever than yeah. trade for a starter and make the bet that they're going to be good in the bullpen. It's something. I don't know. It's it's just, it's a strategy. It's something. It's a it's a way to figure it out. And I mean, also a guy like. Homer Bailey would have could have been a nice, you know, swing guy for the price that he would cost. You know, he's only two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and he wouldn't have handcuffed us so much where he couldn't have made another trade. You I know, guess, try him but out, that's he work you know, that's just him. taking flyers. Like money, those are are hoping for solutions. You know, and the Nets have already done that. The yeah, Nets have do that. signed Rodney. It, they've signed Venters. They've signed Boxberger. They've signed basically who, any, anyone who that. has relief experience and wasn't tied down. Uh, yeah. And some of them have worked. You know, look at Rodney. I know. He really solidified himself. And our eighth inning. Yeah. Set up I mean, I, I just, I would really like them one to. One bad appearance, and even that wasn't that bad really solve the problems that they have instead of tapering over them. But I know I understand that there are limitations. So uh, I think. Yeah. So in an ideal world where the Nats are filled with prospects, you know, maybe yeah. we could get more adventurous and go out there more, but I think you got to be smarter. And I don't think it's, I don't okay. think the luxury well, tax uh, is I guess a we'll main see. problem. I think As we go to T minus 17 days to the trade deadline. We'll see. Yep. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Should be an exciting week. Uh, O's. Yep. And we'll see we you after that. Although uh, we'll probably Braves record this podcast the before so the final Braves game, so, seeing as that's a Sunday night baseball game. Uh, but we'll talk to you soon. Sunday night baseball game. Bye. Yep. All right.